0: This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. A new stampede in Texas. And taking Watson to the edge. It's This Week in HPC. I have one. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with top500.org. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research, joined again by Michael Feldman, editor at top500.org. How's it going, Michael? Very well. How's it going there? Doing fine, thanks. And joining us as a special guest this week is our Chief Research Officer at Intersect 360 Research, Chris Willard. Chris, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Chris, we wanted to get you in in particular with some thoughts that you had concerning our second story today regarding Watson and a partnership between IBM and Cisco with Internet of Things, and we'll get to that in a minute. But first, we've got a new supercomputer out there, or at least it's going to be out there, as uh, University of Texas, the Texas Advanced (laughs) Computing Center, TAC, upgrades its Stampede supercomputer. Michael, uh, you've got some of the details on the new system right this is the second version of stampede remember the first one they they built back
1: in 2012 which came online at the at the beginning came of two, online in 2013. 2013 at the beginning they actually put it into production. That was a 30 million dollar uh, award from NSF, and this is another, or that was actually a 27 million dollar award from NSF. This one's a little more, 30 million, for an upgraded version, very similar to the first one, in that it's Xeon Phi based, but much uh, much more powerful since it's using all the the latest componentry here. It's going to be uh, they're looking at 18 petaflops when it's all built out. Uh, sometime uh, towards the end of 2017.
0: Yeah, this is a, a, a big follow-on computer for TAC. It really keeps them at the the forefront of these NSF-funded systems. Obviously, Blue Waters at uh, University of Illinois, NCSA, is another one. But these major academic supercomputing centers, I remember with... TAC, you know, really first coming onto the scene into that top tier of the academic supercomputing sites, and they've been a, a really good partner for these Intel-based systems. This will be a major system for Knights Landing.
1: Yeah, it will be. And, and if you remember, the first system was also really the first major Xeon Phi system for Knights Corner. That was the uh, basically the first commercialized version post Larrabee of the of the MIC architecture. And it was uh, another petaflop system. It's now sitting on the number 10 spot on the top 500 list uh, with, I think, around five Limpac uh, petaflops and at, uh, I think, at close to eight uh, or close to nine, actually, um, peak petaflops. So this one's twice as big. Uh, obviously, no one's run Limpac on it, but it'll, it'll be a top 10 system even in 2017, even if we see some more systems coming up.
0: I think not just with Knight's Landing, but this will be presumably the biggest computer at the time that's running or one of the biggest running OmniPath. And that's something yeah. that I think everyone's really going to be looking at is the scalability of OmniPath in these systems uh, with respect to the competition with InfiniBand.
1: Yeah, actually, it, it will be probably the the largest uh, OmniPath system. And we should also mention it's going to also have Intel's 3D X-Point uh, memory technology and Remember, that's the non-volatile memory they announced uh, last year, something that's uh, a little faster than, uh, or it's actually a lot faster than NAND flash and uh, cheaper than uh, DRAM. So it fits sort of in a tier between those two, and at least some of those nodes are going to be outfitted with this X point. So Uh, It's good to have some of that interesting memory technology as well as the memory technology that's part of Knight's Landing. Remember the uh, multi-channel DRAM that's in package. So we're going to have an interesting memory hierarchy in this system and uh, probably some very interesting application behavior because of that.
0: We should mention that you know, among the, the vendor partners, Dell is named here presumably as the system vendor. And then right. Seagate is also named presumably as the storage vendor. We don't have any details at this point on how much storage there is. But you know, this is really an Intel system top to bottom. It's Intel yeah. processors, Intel memory, Intel interconnect. We can presume that it will be Intel uh, luster as part of the Seagate storage. This is really what we've been talking about for the last couple of years about Intel moving up the value chain to build these completely integrated Intel technology systems.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, Dell, I'm assuming, has a server they're putting this in or will be announced at some point that, that they're going to be putting this in. But like you said, Intel Intel's providing all the componentry here and in, in some cases the file system too perhaps. So yeah, this is a, a big win for uh for Intel and especially with the new uh Knights Landing technology, it'll be a, a flagship system for that uh, that new processor.
0: So this will be a big system for us to keep an eye out for. We might hear more more details about it as we head into the ISC conference coming up uh, in a couple of weeks in Germany. Now for our other story this week in HPC, Chris, we really wanted to talk to you about this because you got the briefing on a partnership between IBM and Cisco, talking about using Watson to uh, to bring intelligence or cognitive computing to some of the edge instances of computing with respect to Internet of Things and how they can bring more enterprise intelligence. What were your thoughts from that announcement?
2: Well, it was an interesting announcement uh, or more or less a, a statement of work, uh, more than an announcement, that... Cisco and IBM have been partnering for the last 15 years. They've been selling each other's equipment. They've been doing joint, joint sales and uh, technology solutions. I guess that's an integration type of project for a long time. And they just wanted us all to know that they're doing that with the uh, Internet of Things now.
0: Yeah, you know, you point out it is more of a statement of work than an actual announcement. We were talking about this in the pre-call when we were discussing how we would cover this, because there's not actually any particular technology or product that was announced as part of the announcement, right? They they sort of said, we, we've been working together for a long time, and we're still working together, and isn't that great, right?
2: Yes. Uh, I think the interesting part of the announcement is it did uh, open a window into, into what people were doing with the Internet of Things, the sort of issues they were running into and the areas where they they were seeing opportunities. Well, uh,
0: Internet of Things is interesting in that it does, it does feed into big data. It feeds into hyperscale. In some cases, it feeds into HPC, right?
2: Well, Internet of Things is basically... Uh, is basically a an element of hyperscale in the sense that uh, it is driven by the internet and it is important because it it provides data oftentimes at the scale of the internet.
0: Michael, you were looking at some of the examples from the announcement. What's hyperscale and what's enterprise? You know, what were you thinking about that? Well,
1: yeah, most of these actually look uh, more enterprisey to me, although the Bell. Canada example they were using as, as part of the, that communications company uh, uh, application area to, to do analytics on uh, the 4G LTE network. That's that's more telco, of course, but it's sort of specific to these these different enterprises, if you could call telco an enterprise. Um, here they've yeah they've connected basically, you know watson with the internet of things and i think that was sort of the basic idea behind what ibm is doing here they think watson is sort of this has become sort of the centerpiece of of their cognitive computing push and now they've sort of attached that to the internet of things and using these examples from bell canada from port cartagena which is a, a sort of enterprise company and then silverhook power boats which is a, a race a watercraft racing company Uh, to connect these things together into data analytics.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've run into this before, that big data and HPC have a lot of areas of overlap. There's not a one-to-one mapping. I think we're going to see the same thing with with Internet of Things and how it feeds into hyperscale, how it feeds into enterprise, I think there's clearly a, a lot of high performance and hyperscale aspects to this. To me, the essence of the announcement is that IBM is now bringing Watson into this area where there are a lot of things that you can have a cognitive computing interface that's analyzing what data you have available at the edge in order to make a snap decision uh, before you bring a person into the loop. And Chris, that was really a lot of the the analysis you were bringing to this in terms of the time value of the data and when it makes sense to have a, a man in the loop versus man out of the loop kind of approach, right?
2: Yes. the uh, One of the interesting things about the Internet of Things is really the low value of the data on an individual reading. That if uh, you're looking at the oil pressure in, in a truck somewhere that most of the time the, the data you're getting is the oil pressure is fine. And it's right. that uh, that's rare occasion that, the, that there's actually a change in the oil pressure that you want to send the data on. And that's a lot of what Cisco was doing is trying to filter the data and manage the data at the edge so that you're not uh, sending a continual stream of everything's great back to the main systems. Uh, that of course, means that the network quality has to be important, has to be uh, up there and is important to make sure the, uh, the data actually gets through. And also there's a, there's a time value to the data that knowing, uh, knowing what the, the the oil pressure was 10 minutes ago isn't that important that uh, that data doesn't need to be maintained. Uh, But then the question becomes, what are you going to do with it? And why bother with the Internet of Things? Anyone can read an oil gauge. Uh,
0: That's right. When when are you at an enterprise level or at a hyperscale level where having all of that data analyzed in real time is is better than just having a truck driver who can read the oil gauge and do something intelligent?
2: Yeah. And there's a... uh, I think a couple of issues. One is is that if you get into more uh, complex machines where you're just not simply reading one gauge, but in the case of say m- say systems running port machinery, that you have a lot of things going on at once, and a lot of machinery running, and a lot of gauges to watch. And it at that point that begins to make sense that you are using a a system to uh, to monitor all of that and to identify problems. The next area where it becomes important is if you move that data further up and begin to look at the operation of the system as as a whole and can you identify trends in uh you know and perhaps the oil usage of a truck that might indicate that there are bigger problems with the with the engine than just the amount of oil it's using. Or move it up still further and say, well, some engines are using more oil than others and maybe there's a design change that needs to be made. And can we pre- pre- present data to the manufacturers and possibly uh, suggestions that might help them make more efficient trucks? So the you know there's a whole scale of where the data is being used and where that becomes important. And along that line, you do need a lot of filtering and sub-analysis in order to uh, uh, not flood the system with with essentially a bunch of repetitive data that's not providing a whole lot of information.
0: Well, yeah, this is the big promise of Internet of Things, that we can analyze all of this data at the edge and, and potentially have value. If you follow that to the extreme, you can start thinking about maybe using cognitive computing for things like air traffic control. You know, will the computer be better at taking all of these inputs in terms of weather and traffic and patterns and all that and, and making intelligent decisions better than a, than a human would? We talk about things like, uh, you know, intelligent cars and uh, that 's essentially an edge computing application, so I was fascinated by the idea of moving Watson into this. I think the one other aspect I wanted to look at with this with re- is with respect to the the partnership itself between IBM and Cisco. This is something we haven 't really talked about here, although we 've talked about the dynamics of IBM and its partners in other ways do you think it's worth reading into an ibm cisco partnership here and whether they might become partners in other ways would would cisco want to join open power is cisco interested in joining uh, ibm's uh, uh alliance against intel technologies uh, what do you think should, should we you know go down that path intellectually here well i mean i don't I don't
1: see Cisco really joining into the the open power camp as much. I mean, they've already got, uh, in another part of their business, they got their UCS servers, uh, which they... Know, developed uh, a few years ago they're still selling them the that's an all or the basically intel based intel xeon based systems I can't see any motivation for them at this point to to switch over unless they're looking for some sort of differentiation that uh is not foreseeable right now um It's always possible but um i I think this is this collaboration is a separate issue. I don't think they're looking to to do anything on the Open Power front with with IBM, this is this is more the the service
0: and the cognitive computing side of the business. So Michael says no Cisco and Open Power. What do you think, Chris?
2: I'm going to vote with Michael here. I think Cisco is a is a big enough and important enough company that they can stay above the fray.
0: All right, you both went with no. I'll play devil's advocate and say I think Cisco should look at open power or will look at open power. And the reason is because Intel becomes a competitor on interconnects. You know, Michael, you're talking about these Xeon based Cisco servers that they have, but those are all going to have OmniPath enabled. Now, Cisco isn't a competitor on the InfiniBand side, but they are on the Ethernet side. And to the extent that you start looking at where are things like uh, uh, NICs and and HBAs embedded, I think if you start playing this out in the long run, Cisco might want to hedge its bets by getting a little closer to IBM. That doesn't necessarily mean – Entirely at the expense of their Intel relationship today, but I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Cisco make more partnership announcements with IBM in the future, including the possibility of joining OpenPower as a way to uh, maybe protect their competitive edge uh, out into the future.
1: Yeah. Interesting that there is that motivation. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll have to just watch this space and, and, and see what occurs, but yeah, there's a lot of different players and there's some strange bedfellows in the industry now. So, uh, Sometimes Maybe they we'll get, get Watson
0: to analyze all these data points and say what Watson thinks, <laughs> then we'll have our answer, right? Or we'll just have Watson decide what to do and tell Cisco. How's that? <laughs> would, would that be unbiased in that case? I don't know. We'd have to yeah. figure out whether Watson has a preference for using itself. Yeah, that's all right. True. Well, so more interesting talk here. I always like talking about cognitive computing, machine learning, hyperscale. This is a big new area for us. I'm convinced it's going to be a major topic when we get to ISC uh, just a couple weeks away now. Uh, Michael, good podcast as always. And Chris, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks to you for tuning in also. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.